understand um, living a life for yourself, trying to accumulate things, when all through your life there are people going through daily life on the side of the road, if you will, that really need the encouragement, that really need someone to meet them where they are and to help them where they are, and to help them be where God would have them to be. I know that I was on the side of the road when God met me, and I know that it was because someone was willing not to live their own selfish life, but to simply be a servant of God and be willing to live where God would have them to be and, uh, and speak uh, to those who needed it, and I was one of them. I'd like you to open your Bible with me, please, to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. There's so very, very much in 1 Peter. You know, the immediate context of 1 Peter, and you get this just from a casual reading, are the scattered Hebrews. The, the Jews that were alive shortly after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, who believed that Jesus was the Christ. And so if you go back to the beginning, it says Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout. And then it gives these regional areas. Now what we're, what we're, what's being pointed out is this. They had become strangers to their own nation by believing that Jesus was the Christ. Now because this is the uh, original audience, there are, uh, I believe, well-meaning, misguided um, preachers in the age in which we live that don't understand the import, the significance of this book to us today. They treat this as if it's somehow a, a Hebrew book, and it's, but it's not a Hebrew book. It is speaking directly originally to the Hebrews, but the point that it's making is that we are all one. It is the Hebrews with, that wrestled with this truth of realizing that the same Messiah that is promised in the Old Testament is not simply coming to save the Hebrews, but is coming to be the Savior of the world. Now, this is really significant to the Hebrews. It's not significant to most of us in this room because we're, after all, just a bunch of Gentiles anyway. So we rejoice that the gospel has come to save each and every one of us. And, and we are glad that the Hebrews are included. We almost feel like they're the exception when you look around the world today and realize that the vast majority of the people on the planet that embrace Jesus as the Christ do so as Gentiles. And yet he came to the Jew first, and also to the Gentiles. Now, this is not to the exclusion of the Gentiles, nor does it make the Gentiles second-class citizens, but salvation came through the channel of redemption, and the Hebrews were that channel of redemption. It's important that we understand that. So now, looking at chapter 2, let's just begin. There's so much here. Uh, last week, or not last week, the week before, we looked at the first three verses in some, um, in some detail, and so we come to verse 4, and I'm not going to redevelop everything this morning because I don't have time to do so. So let's go to, right to verse 4, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. Speaking about our Lord Jesus, right? If so, be that you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. To whom coming? The to whom coming is coming to the Lord. So coming to the Lord Jesus as unto a living stone. Now I'm going to stop here for just a minute. This is contrasting 
the temple. They had been going to the temple for a long, long time. Before that, they went to the tabernacle. And they did so because they were supposed to. But all of the things that were pictured in the tabernacle and in the temple, the reality of them is in Christ. This is so critically important. The point that's being made is this. This living, this living stone is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now what's interesting is this. There's a difference between the word rock and the word stone in the Greek. And, and we're not going to go into great detail. We may spend more time going into this maybe next week or week after that. We're going to look a little bit at the foundation. We're going to look a little bit at the cornerstone. We're going to understand that in the context of our Bible. We're going to understand what that would have meant to them and what it means to us. And what this has to do with the church on the earth today, there's a lot of confusion about the foundation and the cornerstone and rocks and stones and, and all of that. And there's so much, um, oh, I don't know what you want to say, almost ridiculous teaching concerning these things, when really it's just very simple. Let me just say this. I'm just going to say this. This is the truth. We'll support it as we continue to study through it. But here's the truth. The foundation is Jesus Christ. The cornerstone is Jesus Christ. Now, in some contexts, when you, in some contexts, when you speak of cornerstone, you're speaking about the foundation anyway. And sometimes you're actually, actually speaking about a specific special stone that was laid not on the foundation, but in the foundation. And what that would do is it would set the direction and the walls of the building. Now, there's, there's, there, there can, be, it can be understood that when the Lord Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, if you will, in this spiritual building, that one of the walls coming down could be Hebrews, and the other wall coming down could be Gentiles, and they meet in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's fine. If you want to think that way, that's wonderful. But the truth of the matter is, they're all just bricks after the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a great deal of confusion. We'll talk about this probably in a couple of weeks. There's a great deal of confusion about how does Peter fit into this? You can go back to the Gospels when Jesus says, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. What does that mean? What does that have to do with a certain form of Christianity in the world that talks about Peter as a special place and the first of a group of special people? Well, the truth of the matter is, Jesus can be the first brick beside the cornerstone if God wants him to be. Do you understand what I mean? Jesus can be the first brick after the cornerstone. That's fine. It could be John, right? doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Peter could be that very first, but he's not the cornerstone. And he's not the foundation. Do you understand? And we, we, each and every one of us, if you're really, this is what it says after this, right? And ye also, as lively stones. So we come to the living stone, our Lord Jesus Christ, and we as lively stones, and, the, and this really means as having spiritual life. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one that has given us this spiritual life. This really goes well with the Sunday school lesson that was in this room this morning. And, of course, I don't set the Sunday school sessions, and, and Don was substituting anyway, but this really fits wonderfully in the spiritual truth behind who Jesus is and what this means to our lives. Look, please look up here. This is not about religion. This is not about this religion versus that religion. This is about the Lord Jesus Christ coming to earth so that you and I could have real spiritual life. So that we would no longer be dead 
in trespasses and sins, but that we could be a new creature and have a power within us, the power of God within us, to be the men and women that God always wanted us to be, that God always wanted for the Hebrews. What God has always wanted for people on earth is a deep, wonderful, personal, intimate relationship with each and every one of us. We ruined that. And even now, we ruin it in our own selfish lives. But Christ came to rescue us from that. To live the life that none of us have lived and then to lay down that life for us and trade his righteousness for our wickedness so that we would be able to stand before God. But far more than that, he has given us actual, real, spiritual life. Now, if we read just a little bit, let me just read a little bit. To whom coming, this is verse 4, as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, specifically many of the Jewish men at that point, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up. So each one of us, by the way, right? A lively stone, not you all by yourself, but you and I laid together as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. And here's what happens. Because of our relationship to the living stone, because we are now lively stones, and we are now meant to assemble together to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Amen? Let me look up here. Let me help you understand what that means. When you praise God, when you sing praises to God, when you get on your knees and pray, when you go before God and offer your heart and your soul and your life, say, I just want, you're, you're worthy and I want to worship you. It's a spiritual thing that you're doing. If it's a, listen, if it's a religious thing, it doesn't do you any good at all. If it's a fleshly religious thing, it's of no value at all. But if you're in Christ, if I'm in Christ, just a couple of us gathered together. I think about it all the time. You know, on a Sunday morning, there are a lot of us in this room. There are a lot of us in this room. And every night, and I'm really almost, almost every single Sunday morning, I just want to break up into groups of three or four or five of us. Just together. Just to have fellowship and worship the Lord Jesus Christ together. It's not that we can't worship the Lord Jesus Christ with hundreds of us at the same time, but it sure is hard for it to be intimate, isn't it? It's so much easier when there's just a couple. You know, the advantage to having people over to your house, the advantage to sitting around your dining room table or your kitchen table or in your living room or wherever you want to sit out, sit outside if you want to in the summer here. You know, I can't do it, but if you want to, that's fine. Sit outside together, but when you, when, you, when you assemble together, if you're a new creature and the people who are coming to your house are born again, just sit together and worship as living stones, part together of a local church somewhere, just assemble together and recognize I can offer spiritual sacrifices because of my relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. We can now worship together. We can talk together. We can open the word together. We can have fellowship, genuine, real fellowship with God and each other because of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what this is saying. Wherefore also in verse 6, it is contained in the scriptures. This is making reference back to, the, uh, back to Isaiah. Wherefore also it is contained in the scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief corner stone. Elect, precious, and he that believeth on him should not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which are disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. 
and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumbled at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye, and this is such a tremendous truth, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The Hebrews, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. They rejected him. Doesn't change who he is. And to those of us that realize, those of us that understand who Jesus actually is, to us he is what? Precious. Go back to chapter 1, yes? Chapter 1, verse 8. Whom having not seen you love, and whom though now you see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy and unspeakable and full of glory. All a Christian ever wants to talk about is Jesus. You understand that? You know the problem, the problem with American Christianity is there are too many people that want to talk about this church or that church or this denomination or that denomination or this doctrine or that doctrine. I just want to talk about Jesus. All that matters, all that saves is the Lord Jesus Christ through the word of God. Amen? This is so, it's so wonderfully, and here's the thing, it is really, really simple. The reason that it's complicated is because religion has made it complicated. Listen, we treat religion in the world as if it were sports teams or worse, armies. And that's not what God wants for us. What God wants for every single person on the planet, red, red brown, yellow, black, and white, right? The song we sang is Little Children. All are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world, all of them. He doesn't care where you were born, where you were raised, where you went to school, if you went to school. He cares about none of these things. He loves you. And he wants you to know this, and he wants you to know this not through some religious person, but through what his word says to us. And the Lord Jesus Christ, when he comes, he comes to be able to receive everyone so that everyone can come. If you want to see this, I think it's important that we see this together this morning. Turn back to John Chapter 4. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Anybody know what the beginning of John chapter 4 is about? Right. The woman at the well. Right? The woman at the well. Where is this woman at the well? Where is this well? What city is this well in? What, what region of the world is this well in? Samaria. Got to know this about Samaria. Samaria is full of half-Jews. That's what it is. It's, it's full of what crossbreeds is what they were called. They were not only not um, well-liked by the Hebrews, they were literally despised by the Hebrews. don't have time to go into it. I just want you to see this. It's really important. So, here, so let's just picture this as a map. See the straight line right here? See the straight uh, white line right here? So here, if you're down here in Jerusalem, and you're going up here, which is where Jesus was going, if you went right straight like you should, you'd go through Samaria. But the Jews wouldn't go through Samaria. They would actually travel all the way around Samaria. They so despised the Samaritans that that was the path that they traveled. That's not, that's not just like a, a nice sermon outline, if you understand. That's exactly what they did. But Jesus must needs go through Samaria. Praise God for that, amen? 
Praise God that Jesus must needs go through your life and my life. Thank God that he comes to seek and to save that which is lost. We don't have time to look at all of this, but what I'd like you to see, I, want to, I need you to see the conversation that he's having with this woman. So uh, there came a woman of Samaria, verse 7, right? Boy, I'd love to talk to you. I really would. I'd love to talk to you for just a moment about the Lord Jesus being weary, sitting on that well, and knowing that he came there for this girl. I came here today to change your life. I am okay with being hot and tired and, and really, really exhausted. I'm okay with, with leading disciples who have no real idea what they're doing today, and they've gone off somewhere to go get some food. That's where they were. They had gone to find a, you know, a McDonald's or a Wendy's or, if they could, a Chick-fil-A. Amen? So they had gone to get some food, and they were going to come back, and that they had no real idea what they were doing there because Jesus was there just for this woman. And it's important for every one of you to understand that Jesus would have come and died on the cross if it was just for you alone. If all of the rest of the world was going to reject our dear Savior, he still would have died just to save you. Such is the grace of God. Such is the goodness of our God. Anyway, so there comes a woman of Samaria. And we don't have time to talk about this a great deal, but it's noon. And it's noon. You don't go get water at noon, right? In this area, you don't even go outside at noon, right? You will be able to today, by the way, it's noon right now. Don't go out yet. Give me a minute. I'll finish. <laughs> but when you go outside today, it's going to be about 72 degrees. Praise God for that. Enjoy it. It's like three days a year we get this, okay? So have a good time with it. Amen. So, but this woman is coming to get her water in the middle of the day, and we don't have time to talk about it, but it's important if you don't know this, it's important that you understand the reason she's coming to get her water in the middle of the day is because she is a social outcast in Samaria. So listen, she is an outcast of the outcasts. No one loves this woman. There have been five men in her life. She's on the sixth man in her life who have pretended at some point to love this woman, but no one has ever really loved this woman, but Jesus does. I promise you, young people, you are not going to find love. You are not going to find satisfaction under the sun. You're just not going to. You will never find what you really need until you meet the Lord Jesus himself. And I am so thankful that no matter what this, and so is she, by the way, that no matter what this woman has been to up to this, uh, and been through up to this point, that Jesus still loves her. And that's, the, that's going to be her testimony, by the way. She's going to go back and tell everybody in just a minute, come meet a man that knows everything about me and still loves me. <laughs> This is the Messiah. This is the Christ. This is the Savior of the world. And she is so different so quickly that people just got to come take a look at this guy. Because if this guy can change you, he can change anybody. And the answer is, yes, he can, praise God. Come on back and take a look. And by the way, like half the city gets saved. But let's look at the conversation for just a moment. <clears throat> he says to her, give, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away to the city Remember, I told you, they're on, on their way to Chick-fil-A. Then saith the woman of Samaria, unless it was Sunday, in which case they weren't. <laughs> or they might have been, and now they're going to have to go eat someplace else, right? <clears throat> then, then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. We talked about this already. Jesus answered and said unto her, Boy, this is a wonderful truth. If thou knewest the gift of God, if thou knewest the gift of God, God help you to be on the side of the road helping people to, under, know, to know, to understand the gift of God. Amen? 
I mean, I'm going back to the song that the men are saying. It is so critical. There's so many people like this woman at the side of the road who need to know the gift of God. If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest ask of him. And he would have given thee living water. And the woman said unto him, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. You don't even have a rope. And the well is deep. From whence hast thou this living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him, the same shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him shall be in him, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. This he's talking about the Holy Spirit here. He's talking about that spiritual thing we were talking about in Peter. This is the foundation. This is the groundwork for what the Lord Jesus Christ has come to do. And and what's really remarkable, I think it's critically important that we recognize that this revelation is given to a person who is half Hebrew and half Gentile. I think it's important that we recognize that. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And he said unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now is not thy husband, and that thou hast said well. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped, listen, this is important. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye, the Hebrews, say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Now notice this, because this, this is the promise of Isaiah, where the, where the cornerstone is going to be laid down in Zion, and everybody that really is going to be a part of spiritual truth is going to be laid on this cornerstone and have the Lord Jesus Christ building their house. Watch this. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, you know not what, meaning the, 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 uh, the Samaritans. In other words, he's saying your worship is wrong, and their worship was wrong. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews, and that is true. But the hour cometh, and praise God, now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Amen? Now, there's so much more. We're not going to go on, no. What you see here is this cornerstone. God the Father himself establishing this cornerstone in Zion, this foundation in Zion. And everyone who's going to have a relationship with God is going to have a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ who came to save everyone. Amen? Not just save us from our sins. Listen, this is so important and it's so missing in American Christianity to give us spiritual life. Look up here. How many buildings, like the one that we're in right now, 
throughout America are filled with people going through religious effort today? How many? How many? Thousands, 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 tens of thousands. There is so, now by the way, listen, there is so much religious effort going on all over the world every weekend and every week throughout the week. There's so much religious effort going on all over the place and Jesus wants to set everybody free from all of that. Free from all of that and give us life instead. And get, now listen, should you still assemble? Well, praise God we should assemble. Yes, yes, we should assemble. But we should assemble because Jesus is the Christ. Because we already have life. Or because you're interested in finding out about this life. It's a great place to come to a church that preaches the word of God that you can say, wait, wait, how can I have this life? And the answer is come to Jesus. Right? Just like the woman at the well. Just like everybody else. Just like Nicodemus. Right? The chapter before this is one of the most religious people that ever lived. And he needed Jesus. And in the chapter without right now is one of the least religious people you've ever met. A woman living a very, very ungodly life all of her life to this point. So you have two completely different ends of the spectrum. And praise God, Jesus saved them both. Amen? Because that's how Jesus is. And so when we read, when you're reading Peter, recognize and understand what he's saying is this. Look, those people who are telling you, if you don't have this religious effort in your life, you're wrong, they're wrong. If you have Jesus, you have everything. He is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. He is the living stone. And he is the one that has given me life and most of you life. Most of the people in this room, praise God, that means over 50%, and I believe it's an accurate statement, most of the people in this room are actually born again because of the blood of Christ. Praise God for that. That allows us to assemble together and have wonderful fellowship and be able to sing, to speak, to preach, to teach, to do all of these things and for God to be actually honored and glorified in them. Amen? But not, listen, not through clever articulation, not through wonderfully crafted Sunday school lessons. That is not it. It comes down to is it spiritual or is it not spiritual? Is it real or is it not real? Do you have Christ or do you not have Christ? And that's all that matters. And this is what God is wanting to accomplish. Now, why? Why is this so violently opposed? And the answer, unfortunately, is because men love darkness rather than light. People, listen, people would rather be miserable but have their own way than repent and have the goodness of Christ in their life. And there are so many people who have heard the one I, I when I I was 22 years old I believe I was I believe for the first time in my life I heard the gospel when I was 22 years old for the first time in my life and I was amazed when I heard the gospel amazed I, I mean my, my question back was this are you telling me that God is on my side because I thought God was keeping score and I was losing I knew I had earned all of my negative points, and not like God was making things up. I was actually guilty, and I was confident that God knew I was actually guilty, and he did know that I was guilty. But he loved me, and he loves you. And you say, preacher, you don't know my life. I don't have to know your life. I know Jesus. And I see in the passage that we're looking at right now that Jesus must, needs, go through Samaria just to meet this one woman who nobody would even get water with to save her and to change her life. And it was to this woman that God reveals this spiritual truth that those that are gonna worship God must worship him in spirit 
and in truth. It doesn't matter what you do in this program or that program or this program or that program in your church. It doesn't matter what the attendance is. It doesn't matter what the offering numbers are. What matters is, is it spiritual or not. Is this of the Lord Jesus Christ or is this the efforts of men? That's all that matters. So what's going on in your life? You know, the, the, the commercial, what's in your wallet? Right? What do you, really, what do you have? Do you have your best religious efforts and you think that Baptists are better at this than other religions, therefore you go to a Baptist church because that's how I'm going to get to God? It's not going to get you to God. You understand? Being baptized isn't going to get you to God. Joining the church isn't going to get you to God. The blood of Jesus Christ is going to get you to God. The Lord Jesus Christ paid for your sins to set you free. But I'm telling you, I am so, I am so far beyond um, this and what God is accomplishing in our lives, the Spirit of God living in us now, allowing us to no longer be the jerks that we used to be. What a tremendous difference that is. And everything short of that is just a waste of time. I'm telling you, what God wants to do is to make you and I Christ-like, really Christ-like. Listen, listen, not to pretend to be like Jesus, not to act like Jesus, but because of the Spirit of God within us to conform us inwardly and make us completely different men and women. And for the people around us to see it and say, what has happened to you? And your answer is, well, not what, but who? And the answer is, Jesus has happened to me. Honestly, Jesus has happened to me. That's what this woman's testimony is going to be. She's going to go back and pray, right? Now listen, listen. I joked about the Chick-fil-A enough. I won't go back there anymore. They come back from the city the disciples do, how many people did they bring with them? How many people? Listen, they came to Samaria with the living bread with them. And how many people of Samaria, I don't even think they wanted to talk to anybody. You know, they would have loved it if they had Apple Pay or Android Pay, right? You just walk in, get your stuff, beep, get them just walking out the door, right? They wanted to have no conversations with anybody from Samaria, but they had to have something to eat. So they went to get what they could eat, and they came back and brought what they're doing. And when they get there, you can look at it yourself. We don't have time to look at it. When they get there, they're like, what is he doing talking to this woman? What is, what's our Lord? Now, they can't say what's wrong with him, because they know there's nothing wrong with him. But they surely don't understand what he's doing. And by the way, this is a recurring theme in the disciples. Amen. And this is a recurring theme in Christians in America that aren't filled with the Spirit of God because it's the Spirit of God that shows us what God is doing. It is the Word of God and the Spirit of God that helps us to understand what God is doing and not only helps us to understand what He's doing, but what He wants to do through our lives. Instead of me being a quote-unquote free agent for God, running around doing whatever I want, to be one of those living stones making up an assembly somewhere, doing what God would have us to do together to His honor and glory, offering up spiritual sacrifices. Amen. How many did they bring back? And the answer is zero. They brought, literally, this is the number, zero. Zero. How many did she bring back? You look at it. Half the city. Literally. She went, she went and I'll tell you, I remember, you know, one of the things is this. I remember being a baby Christian. You want to know what? This is what I was like as a baby Christian. I could, you know, you're going to say that's easy to understand, Pastor. As a if you knew me as a person, you'd understand. My wife will tell you, I don't even like people. Okay. I don't even like people, really, honestly. I was an engineer for a reason, because computers are a lot easier to get along with than people are. But when I got saved, I couldn't shut up. I couldn't shut up. I'll be honest with you. I'm not, I, was, now, I, was, I was stationed in, I was in the uh, Mediterranean. I was on the Kennedy, and, uh, and I worked in a lab. I worked in two different labs. And this is what would happen. People would see me walking towards them, and they would go, whoa, here comes crazy, man. Amen? 
Here comes that guy that Jesus saved, right? And I know he's, you know, it's like, and honestly, all I, all I wanted to talk about was how great Jesus was. And let me say this. I believe that was true of most of you when you were saved. Where'd that go? Have you lost the wonder? Is he not awesome? Is he not just as great as he was the day that he saved you? He is. By the way, you should know that he's greater today than you knew the day that he saved I do. Well, I tell you what, I, when Jesus saved me, I was so happy that he forgave me of my sins. I had no idea what a jerk I was still going to be. I was so excited that he had saved me. It's like, oh, you're going to be so happy I'm on your team. And he's like, yeah, not really. <laughs> but you're going to be so happy that I have you on my team. Amen? Because the grace that saves is the grace that keeps us. It's the grace that gets us to heaven. Amen? And so, so what, we're, what we're encouraged and excited about is the same thing that she was. Come meet a man. Just listen, I'm telling you over and over and over again, just get people to see who Jesus is. Now, if bringing them to Tidewater helps them, then bring them to Tidewater. Do you understand what I'm saying? But don't bring them to quote-unquote church. Make sure that they get to see how great Jesus is. It's just that simple. It really is. And everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. And he is the foundation and the chief cornerstone. And God the Father has laid that on purpose. Other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid. There is no other foundation. There is no other way to have any relationship with the creator of the universe. The creator of the universe loves every single one of us, and Christ has come to pay for all of our sins and to give us a whole new life. Amen? Turn back just for a moment. We're done. Turn back. I just want you to be here so when we come here next week, you know where you're supposed to be. Turn back to 1 Peter chapter 2. I just want you to look at verse 6 as we close. Let's, look at, let's just read 4, 5, and 6 together. Let's just read them together because the Word of God is better than my comments on it. Chapter 2, verse 5, excuse me, 4, 5, and 6. Speaking of our Lord Jesus, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. And ye also as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore, also it is contained in the Scripture, behold, I, God the Father saying this, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the wonderful truth that you've shown us together here in your word today. Father, I ask you, please, please, please set the church free from all of its religious effort. Please, Lord, cause us not to walk anymore in the strength of men. Lord, in this name and that name and this doctrine and that doctrine and this person and that person. But Lord, would we be set free from all of these things and simply walk in the light of your word, walk in the love of our Lord Jesus, allow your word to dwell in us richly, Lord, to be much in it, to be feeding on it, to recognize the value, Lord, found in it, and to have the change that only you can make using your word in our hearts and lives. And Father, if there be anyone, anybody here this morning that isn't, that isn't saved, that isn't born again, that doesn't have the Christ, Lord, would you bring them to you? 
Would you work in their hearts and lives? Would you cause them to know? Lord, we will tell them. We will point this out because, Lord, you have given us such a strong desire to be witnesses unto your goodness and your glory in our lives. And you're so changing our lives that, Lord, it should be evident, visible in our lives how wonderful you are. Lord, would you accomplish this and would you bless us? We thank you for this. We thank you for this time. We look forward to our time together tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Stand with me if you would.